Jones, right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! Looks, he hits, throws the right yes! side. Yes! Has your mental health ever suffered at the hands of the Green Bay Packers? Then this is the show for you. Welcome to Today in Town, the safest space for Packers fans. I am your host, Griffin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Braun. We are back to talk about the Packers' season-ending loss to the Detroit Lions, a few days removed from it. If you didn't listen to our last show, that was... We recorded that right after the game. We were very emotional and uh, very raw with our reactions to that game. But now we're a few days removed. It's settled in. I think I'm starting to begin. I'm, I'm beginning to enter into off-season mode. Bron, are you uh, in that space yet? Hey, Griff. Yeah, the mode I've entered in is deep, dark abyss, rock bottom mode. So that's that's where <laughs> I'm at. I think a lot of people would relate to that. I related to that probably about 48 hours ago, but I've exited the abyss. No, things are looking up in in terms of just, uh, you know, days removed from the tragedy. But other than that, yeah, we have there's a lot to talk about, a lot of things that we have to think about as a fan base and and a lot of fans are going to kind of share their thoughts and how they're feeling as well. So just a lot to get into and there's just so many things we have to think about heading into the off season, although there's going to be a, a month-long period here where we're basically just sitting on the couch as every other team that is in the playoffs is, is trying to win here. But there is going to be a point soon where, as you know, we, we go through this Packers therapy session, there is going to be a point where all the teams in this league are going to be disappointed, just as disappointed as we are, except one, and it's going to be 31 losing teams, 31 last-place teams, and nobody's going to feel good except that one final Super Bowl champion team. So there is plenty of time. Until then, but once we get to that point, it's going to be a lot easier for everybody, I think. It sucks every year when we have to sit here and watch all these other teams compete for our trophy, the trophy named after our coach. It sucks. Ugh. And it's every every January of my life since 2015 is highlighted in my memory by a traumatic Packers playoff loss. And I'm getting real sick of that. And it's like a, it's like every year is like a flashbulb memory. Like, where were you on 9-11? Where were you when the Packers lost to the 49ers in 2022? You know, that's it's like that. And the Lions, that's just the newest one. So that's fun. Griff, I can't get over how you didn't even get a chance to feel our win in 2010. That's just, that's the No, if part. you didn't know that, if anyone didn't know that, I was not a fan. I, I didn't know anything about football. I was in third grade, didn't know anything about football. I do remember that game being played, but my best friend's dad was a Steelers fan. So I was actually rooting in a way I didn't watch but I was hoping that the Steelers would win that game for my friend Zach's dad (laughs) you're such a traitor (laughs) I know I'm gonna get kicked off this show yeah now that I know that Griff we're gonna have to talk after the show but nonetheless folks let's get right into it here with our first voicemail listen I love Aaron to death but it's time for him to go and yes I understand it's a team sport and the whole team played horribly. It was embarrassing. Clay Walker, utterly embarrassing, right? But Aaron's picks, well, he only threw one, but he should have thrown two. He got bailed out on the first one. It's just you can't be doing that in a game like this. And I don't expect perfection. Yeah, he missed some throws. But if he doesn't throw those picks, then it's actually a winnable game. We can just go down and drive down the field. I love 12. I love 18. But it's just I feel like it's Jordan's time now. Thanks, guys. 
Bron, listening to these voicemails, it was pretty surprising because uh, we started doing the voicemails and emails this season, and knowing that you and I are both pretty big Rodgers fans, um, it's pretty surprising to get this many voicemails as we got today that are you know, going after Aaron, uh, that are criticizing Aaron's play in this game, and for good reason, but um, the, I mean, the interceptions, uh, the interceptions all year have been crazy, haven't they? 12 picks this year. Uh, coming off of three, four years in a row where he has an absurdly low number of interceptions. He bounces back in 2022 with 12 interceptions, including, I mean, the voicemail said that he threw two picks. It really should have been three because Kirby Joseph also dropped another one. He picked Aaron off on Rodgers' last throw of the game. Then he had another interception that was called back due to a hands-to-the-face penalty. And he should have had another interception that he dropped. So it really, Aaron really had three turnover-worthy plays in this game. And, I mean, that's just, it was like that all season, which was really strange to see from Aaron. Yeah, you know what it is, Griff, too? It's like not his best stretch of football this season, of course. This is one of his down years, and he had a good year for comparable quarterbacks, but not his, in terms of what he's done for us and, and what we know he can do, the level he can play at. It was a down year. Look, he had two MVP seasons back-to-back. I think it's okay to have a down year, especially after you lose your focal point, Devontae Adams. It's a transition year. Um, the Packers had 33 drops this year. That was a lot more than they had last year, and Devontae being a, a huge part of that as well, not dropping the football. That I mean, the offense struggled for a lot of reasons, and, and one of those being the drops, the rookies, receivers, in terms of things like that. So I, I certainly don't think he played his best football, but there's so much going on around him that, kept him from being able to do that. Um, When you look at just even the drop numbers from Devontae, he dropped 1.7% of his 347 targets in his last two seasons in Green Bay, and the Packers receivers dropped 6.3% of their passes this year. So that's a lot, and that impacts the offense. Right? And those... I mean... Bron, think about, you were telling me, before you posted this on Instagram, you were telling me these numbers, and you were telling me how Christian dropped 11% of his targets, and Aaron Jones dropped, what was it, 13% of his targets, and I was like, oh, I wonder what Devontae was last year. I'm thinking it's going to be like 5%, 6%, what was it, like 1.9%, are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, I mean, it's the crazy thing too, Griff, is that... Stupidly low, dude. That drop-off is so absurd, and I mean, everyone knows that the receiving room was so much different this year without Devontae, but the drops all year were such a problem, and it was never really talked about a whole lot. But 33 total drops on the year this season, I mean, that is just... its This is what you have to think about. This is what you have to put into the equation when you're talking about Rodgers' performance this year. 33 drops by these receivers. And Griff, those stalled drives, and we saw it against the Lions on Sunday night, we had back-to-back drops from A.J. Dillon and Alan Lazard that stalled one of their better drives, and then things like the fumble by Aaron Jones, it's certainly not all on Aaron Rodgers, because we were putting up good offensive drives in that game against the Lions, and during this stretch, Aaron Rodgers has done a great job of getting these guys involved. Christian Watson, the rapport with him has come along quite quickly in terms of, he just started playing consistently for us without injury. In, in the middle of the season, and then in that Dallas game was his breakout game, right? And wh- that was one of his first games back in, in the fold, and we got it to him, and, and now he's blown up into this superstar caliber player ever since then, and part of that has to do with the fact that Aaron got on the same page with him very quickly. When Aaron started to finally come on and, and develop a little bit more consistency with his receivers, it was almost too late, because they were in a position where they had to win this final game against the Lions, and we need a full year of him with this receiving core and some better options too because they need a little more speed. Alan Lazard is probably not going to be back. 
and other guys as well. You know, just they need more speed. They need a little bit more production in some areas. Um, and there's some question marks in the receiving room. So they need a little more consistency. And I think part of that will be why the development of Christian and Romeo and Samari, that will be why Green Bay has a better football year from an offensive standpoint next season. And I think Aaron has to be a part of that and will. I just pulled up these numbers just now because I was interested. And it's funny because Aaron said how many years ago, two years ago, I think down years for me or career years for most quarterbacks. He threw 26 touchdowns this season, 12 interceptions. His 26 touchdowns was the seventh most in the NFL this season. Quarterbacks ahead of him include Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. That's it. And when you're looking at the interception numbers, Mahomes also has 12 picks. Allen has 14 picks. Burrow has 12 picks. Geno has 11 picks. Kirk has 14 picks. Jared Goff only has seven picks. Jared Goff, your guy, Braun, kind of had a pretty good season this year. Um, yeah, yeah, he's been good. He's been good. He has, yeah. And uh, Aaron, I think I, I think a lot of this context matters because he, he hasn't put... Obviously, he's coming off of two back-to-back MVP seasons, but and the, his numbers this year were not what anyone expects of a Hall of Fame quarterback like he is. But I think when you're when you're looking at it compared to other quarterbacks, it's it's not like he had a... a it's not, he wasn't the worst quarterback in the league. He wasn't a bottom 10 quarterback in the league. And I feel like a lot of people have the attitude that he was. But I think they're their expectations were you know whether in hindsight they should have or shouldn't have the bar the bar Aaron set for himself was too high uh, considering the supporting cast he had this season he was never going to reach those numbers and I think at the end of the year yeah his his numbers look pedestrian they look like an average quarterback but I, I I still think that he is you know He's still there, obviously. We say it every week, but he's still there. It's not only the standard set by himself, Griff, which I think is higher than even the standard that the, the media and, and all the fans set for him, but the standard for him is higher than any other quarterback, uh, just in terms of putting up numbers, because that's what he's done his entire career. From a numbers perspective, he just does it at the highest level, and everybody expects him to win MVP every year because he's won MVP more times than anybody in the current NFL so it's just it's tough to live up to his standards that not only like I said not only he sets on himself but are set for him by everybody else and when you look, go look at those numbers you talk about he's the seventh highest passing touchdowns in the NFL and these are this is the guy everybody wants to move on from uh, their own our own fan base it's just these are the kind of things that blow my mind and you have to take a step back I think and remember what he's done in the past remember what's going on around him and what went on around him all year long and then look to the future and, and think about what could be different and how things could kind of return to the way it's always been, which is Aaron playing MVP football for us if the right supporting cast is around him. And I, I think hopefully through some development of our guys that we already have and, and some additions we could bring in at some point somehow, I think that could still be a strong possibility. Just talking about this game against the Lions, though, which is what this voicemail is trying to get at, the interceptions were weird, and I think a lot of people agree that Rodgers played really poorly in this game and I think he had one of his worst games of the season against the Lions and it is it it helps the narrative that some people buy into of Rodgers can't win big games Rodgers chokes in the fourth quarter against good teams in a big game setting and it's I mean I don't even know what to say about it man it's just it sucks that he hasn't been able to disprove these people who believe that because he's had chances and that that last throw, the interception, the one that counted, I think that was one of the worst passes of of his season. I think it's one of the worst passes 
of his career, I think that would be in his his all time low light reel. That that ball to Christian, who is blanketed on the play, he just doesn't see Kirby Joseph for the third time that game, and it comes nowhere close to Christian. Has no percent chance of being caught, and it's in the the worst moment too. It's his last throw of the season. You know, it sucks that that's where we are, and I do understand people who have seen Rodgers do this now three years in a row at Lambeau Field, have the ball in his hand, down one score, and not being able to put up points. But I, I think you just have to remember that he is still one of the greatest of all time. And there are a lot of things that go into these games beyond just Rodgers. All right, Griff, let's go to an email here. Yeah, we did get a lot of really good emails and voicemails too. And this is a good time to say, Bron, um, if you want to call into the show, if you want to give us a take, an opinion, a question, or anything like that, you can call or email us by dialing the number 920-430-0711, or if you'd rather send in an email, you can email us at todayinsidletown at gmail.com. And uh, the next time we do one of these shows, you could get featured on the show like Jude will here right now. Jude sent us an email saying, Roller coaster and upsetting. That's all the words I can sum up for the season as a whole. Having a record of 4-8 and eight with all the major media counting us out, the team with a lot of demand from rookie players somehow brought excitement to a season most counted done for. You love to see the Christian Watson story rising like a phoenix out of the ashes from the Cowboys game moving forward. This season really makes you wonder what could have been if Devontae had stayed with us. I'm glad that Jamal Williams has found success with the Lions organization, becoming the rushing touchdown record holder. Now to AR-12. This loss, this season, the sole Super Bowl win, and all the NFC Championship games lost, it is extremely saddening to see him go out like this, if this was his final game. Big offseason coming up, Jordan Love saying he doesn't want to sit anymore, Aaron seeming like this was his last time on the field tonight, and with our salary cap almost non-existent to make big moves, you might think extra hard on what's best for the organization. Can the team really make that jump in Rodgers' limited time left? Dedicated Packers fan, Jude. P.S. What on earth was Quay Walker thinking in that situation? Pushing an athletic trainer? Literally during the week, everyone is thanking and appreciating athletic training staff before every game this past weekend. Not a good look for the organization, and definitely not a good look for him. Thanks for the email, Jude. Um, Yeah, I think with Quay, just to hit on that quickly, that was disappointing, obviously, considering he did something similar earlier in this year. Only player to ever be ejected twice uh, in a season. And also the only player to push a non-football player probably twice in a season as well for that same (laughs) reason. But, uh, yeah, not great from him, but hopefully he learns from it. I think that's – to have him do that twice is certainly a reflection on the organization. I do have to say his apology on Twitter I thought was really mature – I think it was really from oh, he the heart. Didn't, I think you know, he, he meant just, it. It's a heat of the moment thing. Like, and, and part of it, too, it is, is, that's, it is. That, he's checking on a friend that's on the ground. Her, like, that's a friend of his. A yeah, DeAndre Swift did with. go to Georgia. Right, so that's a former teammate he was checking on. And then to be, I get, you know, the, the trainer's just trying to get in there to do his job. It's just an unfortunate situation for Quay, especially considering he's done this twice now, and it looks even worse. But I think he's a good person. I do think he's a good person. Yes, I do too. And I'm him not walking to the locker him room really either. When they showed him on NBC walking to the locker room, a lot of people took that as him crying that he was ejected. And a lot of people were like, "Bro, you you reap what you sow. You know, you pushed a guy, you're gonna get ejected." But seeing him crying made me sad because I don't. To me, it clearly looked like he was upset at himself for doing this twice in the same season, and it was just a stupid mistake. I mean, if you've ever played sports, you've you've been there. You make stupid mistakes in a game. You can't really explain why you did it, you know? And Quay didn't try to defend himself at all. He just apologized on Twitter. And if you haven't read his apology, I would suggest that you do, because, um, you know, this was... I don't think this was anything to uh, attach to his character. And uh, hopefully, 
he becomes a good enough player where no one remembers this. Yeah, I'm really not concerned with him whatsoever, especially with the way he played this season for us down the stretch. Uh, but one thing I do want to hit on, Griff, from that email is this person talking about Jordan Love um, and what it would look like based on he doesn't want to sit for another year and that conversation. That if Aaron comes back, which we both anticipate, we both expect, and we both think should happen, right? So what what is the solution there? Does Jordan say, you know, maybe it's time, or does he want to sit? I, I don't see him sitting for a fourth year. He probably wants to prove himself and get that opportunity somewhere else to start, and maybe start fresh too, and then get that fifth-year option picked up, and then sooner get an extension, things like that. I, I'm assuming he wants to, to be a part of a, a different organization. And I think it would be a good thing for Green Bay as well to make a trade that wouldn't involve dealing draft compensation for maybe a player, maybe other draft capital, whatever it it could get. Green Bay could be getting some kind of valuable asset for a guy who's been sitting on the bench for the last three years. It, It sucks that they drafted him, right? It all sucks. Everything sucks about that move because he hasn't played for us, and it was a pick that we could have used to improve the team right away. We went over this a million times, but instead he's been sitting on our bench, a first-round pick thrown away to sit on our bench for the last three years. We're going into year four now, and there's a decision to be made before they have to pick up this fifth-year option. I think they should move on if Aaron Rodgers comes back to maximize Aaron's opportunity, because if if Aaron comes back, it seems like they're almost giving up on the chance that Jordan Love could start. It would make sense for all parties, I think, to and then here's the thing too, Brian Gutekunst spoke about having Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love on the roster at the same time, and at one point earlier this year he said that was very difficult to envision, his exact words, and that's to me telling, because how could you? Jordan needs an opportunity somewhere else, and I think he has earned that, but I also don't think the Packers should move on from Aaron Rodgers just so Jordan gets that opportunity because Aaron Rodgers is too valuable. The potential of him winning us a Super Bowl is too important, and there's nobody else in the league that's available. That It just makes no sense. It makes no sense. Going with Jordan is, is selling on the chance to win a Super Bowl because they, they won't do it with Jordan. They, they, and They can't take the risk, even if it the slim chance that that's a possibility, they can't take that kind of risk of walking away from a quarterback that they're paying $60 million guaranteed and that has done it before and you know can play at the highest level in the league. And moving on from Rodgers, that also entails a complete rebuild, you know, from the ground up. And that's and we were one game away from the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and we've been one game away from the Super Bowl two years ago. We were a couple games away from the Super Bowl last year. You know, it, it all comes back to 2019. That 2019 season that Rodgers had, Brian Gutekunst was betting on the decline of Aaron Rodgers. He was proved wrong. Rodgers wins the MVP in 2020 and again in 2021. And I think it would be a very stubborn thing to do to commit to Jordan Love. Because last year, with the extension that we gave Aaron Rodgers, we committed to Aaron Rodgers. And so it's kind of hard to commit to both your quarterback that you traded up for in the first round and the back-to-back MVP that you extended and gave an average of $50 million per year to. You know, And I think it's interesting when you think back to 2019, a lot of people, that was a bad year for Aaron. You know, 2018 was a bad year for Aaron too. Again, relative to other, relative to his previous seasons, not relative to other quarterbacks in the league, but relative to his previous seasons, 2019 was a bad year for Aaron. But you have to think, 
Devontae Adams was not the player he is now. Devontae Adams is a guy who has literally improved every single year he's been in the NFL. Even this year, he still looks like an even better player, you know? And in 2019, he was not at that 2020 or 2021 level in 2019. And he was injured. He had turf toe that year, if you remember correctly. Um, and so who was the number two receiver MVS and Alan Lazard and Devonte wasn't an all pro at that point. That's, I think that explains a lot of why Aaron's numbers looked so bad that year relative again. And so that's when Brian Gutekunst and a lot of people were advocating for drafting a quarterback and we drafted a quarterback and a lot of people were in support of that. And then Rogers comes back in 2020, 2021. And now we get to 2022 where once again, Rogers numbers have declined and a lot of people are ready to move on to a different quarterback. And I think it's, I think it's the same mistake that people made in 2019, honestly, because I think if you surround him with more talent, if you get better pass catchers around him, I think he's still he still has MVP potential in him, and obviously he still has Super Bowl potential in him. Well said, Griff. Let's shift to the next voicemail. I'm calling in. My name's Keaton. I'm 17 years old, calling in from Canada an hour after the Packers just lost to the Detroit Lions. And I cried real tears after Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb walked off the field for what I believe to be the last time. And since I was born... In 2005, I've only seen this team with Aaron Rodgers and the expectations that he set for this team ever since then. So I have no clue what I'm supposed to expect without him. And it's just not the same, even if it's for better or for worse. This team is not the same without Aaron Rodgers, and it's never going to be the same. Everything he did for this franchise is why he's the greatest Packer of all time. But it wasn't enough. We only got it done once in 2010. And then everything past then has never been enough. And seeing that come full circle to an hour ago where he walked off the field for what I think is the final time. And I'm sure me and millions of other Packer fans cried just the same as I did. I don't know what to expect next season, but I just know that Green Bay Packers football is never going to be the same. Keaton, I think Braun is in the same boat as you and I. He's a bit younger than us, but... I mean, for me, you know, we talked about how I didn't start watching football till 2014. Uh, I have never thought about this team with any other quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. You know, I've never seen them play an extended period of time with any other quarterback. And so Rodgers, the thought of him leaving, you know, we talk about how he's going to come back next year. He's not going to retire. They're not going to trade him. We don't know for sure. He could he could retire tomorrow and completely blindside you and I, and he would devastate us. And that could happen. And the thought of that happening is incredibly depressing. And watching him walk off the field with Randall Cobb, I did not cry myself, but I, you know, I kind of wish I did. It would probably made me feel better, less numb. And that was really, it was really a sad sight watching the two of them walk off the field. You know, Rodgers puts the arm around him. It was definitely an intentional thing for them to do. You know, Mike Tirico kept mentioning that during the national anthem, all throughout the pregame process, they were locked arms. And that does kind of make you think. And then you mix that with his comment to Jamison Williams about like, I'm going to hold on to this one when Jamison asked for the jersey. Like there, there is a slim chance, a non-zero chance that we did see Aaron play his last game in the NFL. Well, Griff, the more I think about the walk down the tunnel and the thing you mentioned, the locking the arms, I, they do that every game. They lock arms before the anthem every game. And then the walking down the tunnel thing, Rodgers talked about that as just a, that was a spontaneous, they saw each other. Just give each other a hug. Rodgers doesn't know what Cobb's going to do. Cobb doesn't know what Rodgers is going to do, you know? I mean, 
I don't know if either of them are. Neither of them are set saying they're gonna not play again. I think Kabi actually could definitely play, and I, as well, we we both think Aaron's gonna come back. And I think, but I think that those decisions are probably mutual. Whatever the decision is made by Aaron, is probably gonna be Randall. You know, I'm sure they'd have him back, especially if Rogers comes back and Rogers gonna want him. I see no reason why they wouldn't bring Cobb back. So. So to me, I, I really don't think he's going to retire. I just, and there was, I, I posted a clip of Aaron talking, and the, I'll read the exact quote. He says here, it could be time to step away, but I could take some time and say, no, man, I need to get back out there and go on another run. And when he says that, that last line, he has this grin on his face when he just even starts thinking about going on this other run, another opportunity, it just excites him, and you could tell, it just doesn't, he doesn't seem like he's going to go out, he talked about wanting to end by winning a Super Bowl, and he probably still feels like the opportunity is there to do that with this team, with the growth and a little more consistency of the receivers and some of these other things, he talked for the last couple of days. He's had conversations with the team about the direction of the group and and the plan for the off season. Probably with a lot with Brian and Mark, and some of it with Matt Lafleur as well. Those are the things that I think are going to. They're trying to convince him to come back. Brian wants him back. He signed him to this massive contract, and he said it wasn't for just one year. He wanted. He committed to him for three years at least. There was a three year extension, and he he wants him back. Matt desperately wants him back, and I'm sure Mark wants him back as well. That's why they signed him to this new deal. So to me, I think they're going to convince him to come back. They're going to show him that the direction of the team is one that's headed towards playoff contention and Super Bowl possibility once again, and I look forward to that. And then they'll bring guys like David. They'll make sure he's back. He's under contract. Mason Crosby, they'll re-sign. They're going to get, Brent, they're going to get Randall Cobb back. They're going to bring those guys like Mercedes, make sure he comes back. Those are the things that are going to be important to him. They're going to do those things, and we're going to get another shot at this thing. I'm sure of it. Then they start to talk about what do you do with Jordan Love and, and those other things that could benefit the current group in a big way. Yeah, all those were great points, Bron. And I learned, you know, last year we were in a similar situation with Rodgers where last year I was honestly convinced that he was he had played his last down as a Packer. I thought he was going to retire. Otherwise, I thought he'd be traded. But, Bron, if you remember, you were adamant that he was going to come back in 2022. And I remember calling you delusional. I thought you were insane. <laughs> and uh, so I, I'm kind of done questioning your uh, your Rogers, the, your ability to read into what's going through Aaron Rodgers' head. I, I think I'll know when it's time. I do. Just, <laughs> you'll know. You'll know I think him. I'll know just like he'll know. I can tell. There's just something about – I've done a lot. Look, I've done – I've spent years of and years – what is this going to be? We're, we're seven years in here, Griff, or this might be, I'm going to, eight years doing this uh, at a high level and, and getting to know what Aaron Rodgers is like on a daily basis, watching every single word he puts out into the public eye. I mean, you get a sense after a while, and Griff, you've got that too, but I, I just think I almost obsess over it in a way, because our <laughs> chances of a Super Bowl hinge on it, you know, hinge on him being the quarterback, and I, I don't think that's crazy to say. So I, I keep a very close eye on everything he says. And to me, based on everything I've heard him say, based on the sense that I get, to me, I, I think he's coming back. I'd be shocked if he's not back. And just look at all the facts. Again, we'll talk about the, you know, you, you could sit here and talk about the $60 million he's got guaranteed next year. I know what goes on through his head. I know what he's planning to do. And there's other times, just a couple weeks ago, during the midst of our run, he was talking about, you know, what it would be like to commit for another year or two or three. 
So to me, he's already not even just thinking about past just this year. He's thinking about what it would be like to play for two more years or even three more years past this current season, right, that just ended. So I, I all these factors kind of pull into the thought for me that he will be back, and I look forward to that, and I think every other Packers fan should be ready and excited about the chance to run back a group that was close here towards the end to making the playoffs, got hot at the right time, one game away from getting in, a tough loss, but the talent was there, the cohesiveness was there, they started playing complimentary up until that final game. I feel like they're a couple players away, not one player away like they were in 2021 when they had Devontae, now they're a couple players away, but I think they can probably attack those positions of need and get it done. I feel good about the group going into next year, it's just tough coming after this loss right now, thinking about how heartbreaking it is and and how close we were again and to have to go through multiple multiple months of this to get back to where we want to be again there are a lot of people who are ready to move on from Aaron of course like every single offseason there are a lot of people who are ready for it to be Jordan Love time and I think that if they had started Jordan Love after the Philadelphia game or if they'd seen him play more than 21 dropbacks which is what he had this season and he looked as good as he did in that second half of the Eagles game then there is a little bit of a conversation to be had there. But just Aaron Rodgers is, he is a Hall of Famer. He just won two back-to-back MVPs. But there were people who were ready to move on last year when he was the MVP. So clearly that changes nothing. But the problem is that, like, what it, what do you see in Jordan Love? I'm interested if, if there's someone out there who wants to move on to Jordan Love, send us an email, send us a voicemail, and give me your, give me your case. Because Jordan Love, he is going to be... Going, he's going into the fourth year of his rookie deal. So the rookie quarterback, he's cheaper option argument is that's almost time is up on that. He's almost at the end of his rookie deal here. So we've got to make a decision on the fifth year option. We've got to probably extend him if we're going to ride with him soon. And he's going to be making a lot more money than he is now. And, and we're going to be in a similar mention, situation. And Griff, not to mention, if we move on from Rodgers, nobody thinks Griff, nobody's truly thinking about the ramifications of what it would be to just say, oh, it's Jordan Love time. But Aaron Rodgers is on the books for $60 million guaranteed this year, and nobody wants to get over that part of it because that makes They committed really, to him last offseason. They committed it, it to him it, for multiple this years. Is, people, people are questioning about whether he's coming back, but they know committing to him, it was not just for one year. Everybody's understanding, except the fans, that he's probably coming back unless he has some kind of drastic change of heart. He commits to this team, the team commit to him for three years. $60 million guaranteed dollars. If he retires, he's going to be on the Packers' books. And this is guaranteed money we're talking about. Could there be a situation where he cuts it off and, you know, takes his salary down and, and whatever? I guess. But they, there was an understanding when he signed this $50 million per year contract that he was going to be the Green Bay Packers quarterback for this year and next year, in my opinion. There's no outs, really. It would be something like an, a tearing up of the contract if he wanted to walk away. But for what? He's got an opportunity to come back and lead this team once again, which is his... These, this is his dream. This is what he does. This is his passion. He has so much fire for this game still. Everybody who says he's not motivated, he's tired of whatever, he doesn't want to play football anymore, nobody's watching, nobody's watching him play. Nobody's watching him with his teammates. Nobody's listening to what he says. Nobody watches him as he just gets all smiley and gets all excited just thinking about the possibility of saying, no, i got to go on another run with this team. These are the things that it, it takes a high level of, of insight to really understand, but we're sitting here trying to explain it to all these fans that say it's Jordan Love time. 
it takes a lot more than just taking a risk here on a guy that's really never done anything. Everybody wants to just move on from Aaron and without realizing that going to Jordan Love could be a lot worse than what we've got right now, which is top seven touchdown thrower in the NFL that we want to get rid of as fans <laughs> here, which is just ridiculous to me. Well, here's a related email here coming from Tanner. Uh, he said, after that game, I want A-Rod to retire. There is no malintent in that statement, as I truly believe that this team needs to begin the next generation with Dobbs, Watson, and Love by adding a tight end in the draft and bolstering the offensive line. Joe Barry and his defense had growing pains this year, but I believe in the pieces and their ability to perform at a high level with more experience. A-Rod walking into the sunset and giving LaFleur the creative freedom on offense with Love's mobility and moldable style is what I believe to be the best option. Thanks for the outlet, Tanner. Thank you for sending in that email, Tanner. Braun, this is kind of the uh, opposite perspective on everything we were just talking about. Well, was it LaFleur's creative freedom that got us that beautiful Lazard handoff on 4th and 1 on our own 30-yard line? <laughs> because if that's what he's talking about, then then we're in for some trouble, Griff. Look, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the thing that makes this passing offense go. I don't know what... There's not many other quarterbacks to me that are going to have success in this offense that Aaron Rodgers does. The deep passing, things like that, are, are completely removed from the equation in, in any other offense when you don't have Aaron Rodgers. With the current players that we have, Christian's there, obviously, and he can run deep, but who's getting him the ball? Jordan's not. I mean, have we seen Jordan complete a deep ball ever? I have not. <laughs> and that's another thing you're banking on. You're hoping that Jordan comes in and does any better than the best quarterback in the NFL the last two years who had a down year of being seventh most touchdowns in the NFL this year. That's uh, These are the well, things I that have make a better no number. sense to me. I have a better number. Everyone knows I love this stat. Big time throws. It's PFF signature stat. It's their highest graded throw. Rodgers finished the year tied for fourth in the NFL with 33 big-time throws, tied with Patrick Mahomes for the fourth most in the NFL. Oh, he sucks. Aaron sucks. Get him out. <laughs> he sucks. Get him out of here. Oh, see, now this is just like big-time throws, you know, it counts incompletions. It counts throws that are dropped, like the, the throw to Romeo against the Lions where Romeo is blanketed and Rodgers throws a rope past the defender's ear hole and Romeo just it looks like he had no clue it was even coming to him because he just kind of stuck his arms out and it went right through his hands. That counted as a big-time throw, I'm sure, in PFF's grading system. That, that, that's why I love big-time throws so much because it accounts for these things. And Rodgers, I mean, when you watch him play... Yes, he throws some really strange interceptions this year. He threw three passes against the Lions that just confuse me. I'm questioning where he's trying to fit this ball into. But outside of the picks, he's still there. And I don't understand how people can watch him and think that there is a quarterback, any other quarterback on the planet, let alone on the roster, that would do better things with this offense. Griff, you're right. And and the same people that are complaining about these interceptions are the same people saying that he needed to take more chances in 2020 and 2021 after we struggled with Rodgers not throwing many picks and we still couldn't win a Super Bowl. These same people were saying that Rodgers needs to take more chances downfield and throw the ball up. And look, he did that this year a lot. All his picks were coming on not necessarily all bad throws, but he's taking a lot of chances. He's trying to make a big play when we're down and trying to get 12 know, we're, picks we're down this year. And out. I would bet 10 of them were 20 yards down the field. Exactly, Griff, right? I mean, he's not making ridiculously awful throws. He's trying to win the game in games that we're losing, or he's try like in the game on Sunday night. He's getting pressured. He sees Christian Watson singled up. He throws it up deep. He doesn't know where. He has half a second to get that ball out. He throws it up. It's a bad throw. It's short. It's not to the sideline. Christian's probably five yards away from it by the time Kirby Joseph jumps up and grabs it quite easily. But again, 
he's getting pressured. It's a zero blitz. He's got Christian singled up with one safety there. And look, that's the way it goes. I mean, they were down. He's trying to make a big play. It's third third down. What do you do? I, there's not much to say, really, right? But these are the same things that everybody was trying to get him to do, to take more chances. But would you rather have him taken the sack there? I mean, the game's over at that point anyway if you take the sack. And things, it's just, you know. There was I don't, a pass protection breakdown on that play. It was a, the, the protection was awful all season. The jumbling of the offensive line. These are things nobody <laughs> wants to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about this I thought stuff, the protection right? was good this season. I did. I, I thought the protection, especially but it was as the inconsistent, year went on. The Griff. Jets game was awful. It was inconsistent, and there was always changes happening on the offensive line. But for most of the year, especially down the stretch, I thought the pass protection was really solid. It got better down the stretch with David and Elton being locked into that left side, but when it wasn't always David and Elton even got out of it, it was basically Josh and Runyon were the guys that played the majority of the season, and everybody else was in and out, in and out, even Runyon Runyon used to be our left guard, remember that? That's what I'm saying, Griff. It's hard for Aaron when he's got a whole different group out there every single game, and even like I've mentioned a bunch of times, in the middle of of our final game, Matt LaFleur still can't find the combination that he wants, and he can't find the right combination. <laughs> Last game of the year, and we still don't know who the right tackle is going to be. They're still trotting Yash out there to play right tackle and pulling him out in the second quarter. I mean, it just makes no sense, and it's poor on Matt LaFleur's part. The, the offensive line played good down the stretch, but when we needed it in the Detroit game, they struggled. They couldn't handle Hutchinson, who was getting pressure left and right. I mean, these are the problems that I have that nobody wants to talk about when talking about Aaron Rodgers. This is not stuff I would bring up if I didn't have to sit up here every single week and defend Aaron because he's getting told that he should not be the quarterback of this team anymore. You mentioned Coach LaFleur. Let's jump into an email about that. All right, so this one comes from a person who uh, asks to remain anonymous, but he says, how long is the Coach LaFleur experiment going to go on? Year one, okay, the 49ers were better than us, and he took us as far as we would go in his first year to the NFC Championship in San Francisco. But the last three years, losing at home in the big game, whether playoffs or a winning-in playoff game, have been unacceptable, and I feel I watched the same movie over and over again on the last games of the year with this team the last three years. He loses in the big games. It seems whenever a challenge or a decision has to be made, he crumbles in those moments in big games, whether it's kicking the field goal against Tampa instead of going for it, not able to score a single touchdown against the 49ers in the playoffs last year. He's forgetting about an A.J. Dillon rushing touchdown in that game. But anyways, the email continues. Going for it on our own 30-yard line in the first quarter last night against the Lions. Oh yes, and all those were home games. It seems he shrinks at moments when we need him to lead. If your quarterback is getting blitzed to no end, have a running back or tight end stay in the block and slip them out to the flat. Give him a better safety valve option. Then you have a first and goal from the 6-yard line on the opening drive and come away with a field goal. Have 5 or so plays that you know you'll score on. I know the coach isn't playing, but doesn't it seem like he can do a lot more? Give these guys safety options if the play is getting blown up. I don't know. It just seems he gets outcoached in the big games. I also feel he's very undisciplined to his players. Quay Walker's behavior, Rasul Douglas throwing a punch that costs 15 yards and three points. The discipline comes from up top and it doesn't seem like Coach LaFleur handles it very well. He's a passive guy and that's fine, but you can't have your players acting like this throughout the year. It came back to bite us this year. Players also take on their coach's identity. Look at Dan Campbell's identity the Lions took on, or Coach Dayball's identity the Giants took on. What is Coach LaFleur's identity? Feels like we get punched in the mouth every year in the end and get pushed around. Yes, his record is amazing, but it seems he can't get us over that steep hill, a big playoff game, for the last three years. Three years of this nonsense. He has a Hall of Fame quarterback. Very frustrating. A lot going on with that email, Bron. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good points in there. And something somebody said to me the other day that LaFleur always talks about how you treat every game the same and you, you treat it like any other week. But it's really not any other week when you're 
fighting for your playoff life, right? And to the I get I get the point to the extent of LaFleur when he says that he's talking about preparing the right way every week and preparing the same way every week, the best possible way you can. But there's always a mental uptick when you know something's on the line. It's not just week 13 and, you know what I mean, or it's not just week 7 where your your season isn't on the line in those weeks, right? But in in week 18 with the playoffs on the line and you control your own destiny, you do. You, you do have your season on the line, and there is a mental uptick. There is something that raises in you that you can't control because you know there is a life-and-death type of attitude going into this thing as a whole from a team standpoint that you just can't control, and that's always in your mind. So when you treat it like any other week, and there's the other team, the Detroit Lions, who have nothing to play for, treating it as if it's the biggest game of their season, there's a problem, I think. And that that's that has to be implemented to the players. The gravity of the situation, I think, is important at times because you want the players that rise to the occasion. But if there's no occasion to rise for that the coach is not speaking about, right? If the coach isn't telling you that there is an occasion to rise for, then how can these guys step up and play their best ball under the bright lights when the pressure's on? That's what Aaron does best. That's what these other guys do best. I think there has to be some level of recognition that this is a massive game to get into the playoffs and have a chance to be football immortal and win a Super Bowl. Those things have to be relayed to the players, I think, so they can understand the gravity of the situation, and that elevates their play. And I think the best players and, and the most important players, the guys who help you win a Super Bowl, understand that and then emphasize that to other guys in the locker room and take advantage of that as well. And we just don't have that going on through the locker room, and I think a lot of that goes back to Matt LaFleur and, as as this person put it, the passiveness and, and some of the other things that make him a little bit more of a player's coach that lets his other guys do the work for him from a leadership standpoint. Look, it's hard to criticize leadership from a head coach. It's hard to criticize coaching at all. But, um, I mean, there is validity to all of these criticisms of Matt. Um all you can really do is read into his press conferences, read into what he says to the media. But that's hard to do with LaFleur because he famously says nothing ever at his press conferences. So we really don't know what he's like in the locker room. And anytime we've had a player on the show, I have kind of pride. You know, how, what is it like being coached by Matt LaFleur? What is he like in the locker room? Braun, you remember seeing him at training camp when we were up there? Like, it's crazy to see him in his element actually coaching and like yelling at players. Like, it's strange to see that because we never we never really get a glimpse at that. But um, I find it interesting in this email when he talks about the uh, how undisciplined his players are. And I read a tweet earlier this week that the Packers led the league in the most personal foul penalties. I can't think of a single offensive personal foul this season. I think they all came on defense. And that kind of leads me to what I want to talk about here, which is Joe Barry, a guy, Braun, all season long we have talked about as if it is, it is his final season in Green Bay. We talk about Joe Barry like he's one week away from getting canned. And it comes out yesterday. Matt LaFleur, it doesn't even come out. Matt LaFleur straight up says it. Matt LaFleur says that he plans on retaining Joe Barry. And do you remember, I think it was week five or week six after we lost to one of the New York teams, someone asked him at his press conference, (laughs) have you thought about a defensive coordinator switch? And he looked at them like they were stupid, like it was a stupid question to ask, why would he ever move on from Joe Barry? And I guess we should have looked into that more, because it was kind of the same thing yesterday at his press conference when someone asked him the same question, and he answered, no, I don't expect any staff changes, and that includes the defensive coordinator, who has been kind of the antagonist of uh, this Packers team all year. No, actually, for the last decade plus, I'd say. But um, and it's not, <laughs> Joe Barry, <laughs> not no, not him, not him. Just the defensive coordinator position. Look, the defensive coordinator has always been the the number one punching bag of this fan base. 
Right, and and now uh, we're sitting here once again in that same spot, but I look at this group again. Matt LaFleur spoke about the continuity of having that guy back. This is the problem, though. Joe Barry once coached an 0-16 Detroit Lions defense, which is always something you want. We really don't talk about that enough. We don't. And then now, this is his third defensive coordinator stop. He's done it with two other teams. And if he gets to his third year, as Matt LaFleur anticipates his words, in Green Bay, if he gets to his third year, it would be his longest tenured job as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. So at least these other bad teams oh, got God, out when they dude. could. How are we Aaron Ro- do Look, this for my problem year. is Aaron Rodgers is covering up a lot of things, a lot of bad things in this organization. That's what. I, that's another thing. People wouldn't see how bad it could get without Aaron, without some of these other defensive guys that we have, because we have seven first-round picks on our group on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't think drafting, <laughs> by the way, just to throw another point in here, I don't think drafting another defender in the first round is going to do much Right, I mean, like I, we have to make some legit. It's gonna changes. happen, though. It's gonna happen. No, don't don't wait. We are gonna be drafting a safety to replace Darnell, but we we'll keep Darnell. We'll re-sign Amos, and then we're gonna draft a safety in the first round. Is the likelihood I'm guessing right? But here's the thing, Joe Barry. I I understand the idea of we played better down the stretch, but a lot of that has to do with the guys we have. I mean, when Jair is locking up, it doesn't take a a genius to say, hey, Jair, go cover their best player. You know what I mean? Like, that's not that doesn't that's not something, a redeeming quality. It took 17 weeks for Joe Barry to uh, decide to right. do that. Exactly, and, and it's not like the whole entire world was saying it prior to that. So I don't think he has any redeeming qualities, to me at least. Te- look, again, call into the no, show. Look, tell us if we're wrong there, but I, I just don't see what brings Joe Barry back. Uh, this, no, what this people are going to say is standpoint. people are going to bring up the play of the defense during the winning streak, during the four-game winning streak. But it's important to remember, we played Kirk Cousins and we played a concussed Tua Tungavailoa who threw three terrible, terrible interceptions. And we played Baker Mayfield who had been there for a week and a half. And we played Justin Fields. And this week we just got diced up by Jared Goff. I mean, a lot defense is always dependent on the offense that you're playing. Great defenses, it matters less. Look at Denver. Denver has a terrible offense, and they were in almost every game this season because of how well their defense played. We could have that, but we don't. And people are going to mention how a lot of times during the season, the defense gave the offense opportunities. And that is true. There were a lot of games this season that should have been winnable. Week 9, we lose 15-9 to to the Lions. We should have won that game if we were able to score more than 15 points, which you should be able to do on offense. This game against the Lions Week 18, we should have scored more than 20 points. Yes, but our defense looks terrible whenever we're playing a competent quarterback or a competent offensive play caller. It's almost a guarantee that whenever we're going into one of these games against a big a big time offense, it's we're going to get embarrassed out there. Just Sunday night football against the Bills for the Dolphins game before Tua's concussion, we were embarrassed out there. It was just these last 5 games of the season, we were riding the we were riding the high side of variance that comes with turnovers. Turnovers are pretty random. We didn't get a whole lot of them at the beginning of the season. We started to get a lot of turnovers towards the end of the season. That's just how it happens. And that was what was leading to our defense looking good, right? But I don't think that's something you should you should attribute to the defensive coordinator. I don't think that's anything Joe Barry did. I think it's just players make plays sometimes. And that's what happened with the defense the last month of the season. And people are going to... And I've seen people mention that the defense was not as bad this season as the offense was. First of all, you're wrong by pretty much any 
measurement you look at, whether it be EPA per play, yards per play, points per drive, the defense was worse than the offense was in terms of NFL rankings. But also, look at the talent on either side of the ball. Look at the investment that has been made on the defensive side versus the investments that have been made on the offensive side, which comes down to Aaron Rodgers, a cheap contract for Aaron Jones, and a trade-up in the second round for Christian Watson. That's the, Those are the only investments we have made on the offensive side of the ball at the skill player positions. On defense, how many first-round picks do we have? How many big-time contracts do we have? How many highest-paid players at their position do we have? And Jair Alexander and Kenny Clark, and we just extended Preston Smith, and we draft Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, and Dean Lowry's on an extension, and Devondre Campbell just got paid, and Rasul Douglas... I mean, it, the defense was expected this season to carry this team to the playoffs, to a winning record, to Super Bowl contention, while the offense took a step back. That was what was supposed to happen, and that Griff, didn't happen. I have to interrupt And there's you no here. excuse for that not to happen with the talent that is out there. And Griff, let me, let me also point this out. The way that defenses are played in the NFL today, it's all very basic. It's very uniform. There's not many differentiating qualities between this defense and that defense. Maybe it's the 3-4 versus the 4-3, but that's about as as different as it gets. And then you're talking about... And that matters they play less little... and less. And it's... Exactly. It's so forward. much... Every, exactly. And and with the, t- the, the problem is we have so much talent. The scheme part of it, it's so, it's so little differentiation between schemes and concepts. It's really about creativity that we don't... We do not have... Right, it, we lack that entirely on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball. There's no less creative defense that I've ever watched than this Joe Barry group. At least Mike Pettin got exotic with some blitzes when he rarely threw them out there. But he, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? It's just it, those are some of the things that we we have nothing going with Joe Barry. He literally just runs out nothing. the defense and and puts on the Madden. Send playbook. Quay Walker on a blitz. Did Quay Walker have a sack this year? I, he blitzed too much for my liking. And but then that leaves the middle of the field open. It's just I'm so sick. I'm so sick, Griff, and I I just don't know what they can do. If they're not going to bring in somebody young and creative, then they're going to keep old Joe Barry, and I don't know how (laughs) they can expect to improve. I just don't know how they they can expect to improve. There's just so little they can do to improve that group other than revamping the coaching staff. I mean, that's the only way to me. And at what? Yeah, let's add another first round pick. Let's make it eight, and then see if we get lucky. Like, there's I, I don't only know what so much say. you can do. There's only so much you can do. And the the thing that drives me crazy is two things. You know, on offense, like play action is like an easy like cheat code that just leads to better efficiency on offense. Just running more play action, as simple as that. Running more play action, faking a handoff. It's just that easy. You're probably going to be more efficient on offense. It's the same thing on defense with two things. Disguising your coverages, meaning whether you start to play with single high safety or two high safety, ball is snapped, and then you rotate either one. Or And pass rushing stunts, stunting your defensive linemen. The Packers had the fewest amount of stunts run this season on the defensive line. Good thing, right? And when you watch this team on tape, they almost, there is so rare to see any kind of bluff coverages at all. It's so... Everything is so static, and Jair Alexander's seven yards off the ball on fourth and two for God knows why, and that's still a problem. Can't wait for more of that next year. I I can't do another year of Joe Barry, man. When Matt LaFleur said that, I couldn't believe what I just heard. I can't do this for another year. How are we going to sit here every week complaining about Joseph Barry? For the first six, Bron, what did you say? If the start of next season, when our defense sucks again, what are we going to do? 
I, Griff, that's exactly my point, too. Once they lock him in, I, I, once we have him next year, right, and we start, and like I said, if we get off to a slow start next season with the defense, like it always does, it seems to always get off to a slow start, our defense. And it takes, and apparently we need time to kind of get into the new system, right? Well, this is now going to be Joe Barry's third year. So if we struggle out of the gate once again, there's no moving back. We have to, we're going to be stuck. We're going to be stuck with Joe Barry's defense. And maybe in week 17 of that season, we might be able to get it going. But of course, by then, it will probably be too late. That's my point. I think it's time to move on. Jim Leonard is available. He's young. He's creative. He's coached excellent defense at the college level. He probably has fresh ideas. He's worked great with young guys. He's helped to identify what their talents are. He likes to get to know guys on an individual level. These are things at the NFL level that don't happen. I don't think Joe Barry... And then I can't speak on this totally, obviously, because I don't know for a fact. But I'm sure that Joe Barry is not getting to know these guys on an individual, personal level. Like it takes at the college level to really get a, a picture of what you want your defense to look like. We need that kind of mentality that puts your players in their best position to succeed mentality. We need that on the defensive side of the ball. And I think having the youth paired with Matt LaFleur's youth and the youth of our group as a whole, having Aaron Rodgers be the veteran leader in this whole organization, this is what we need. And I'm getting sick and tired of some of these, uh, just the, the, uh, the possibility, the thought of having Joe Barry back. I was, I, at first, I, when I saw that and when I listened to Matt say it, I wasn't totally surprised or upset, but the more I think about it, the possibility of tanking our season, and I'm not talking about trying to lose all our games intentionally, I'm talking about the possibility of our season going down the drain when we start off slow on defense and it'll be too late at that point to make a change, that's what I'm concerned about. And we again, we, we talk about this every single show, we don't know how many years of Aaron Rodgers and contention for a Super Bowl we have left, and the defense needs to be part of the reason why we win. And with Joe Barry, I'm concerned that may not happen. I can't talk about Joe Barry for any longer. Let's go on to the next voicemail here. Absolutely horrible showing by the Green Bay Packers tonight. What the fuck? No, if that's Aaron's last game and that's how he leaves it all on the line, come on. You look at John Elway in Super Bowl 32 and he beat the Packers doing the fucking windmill into the end zone to get the touchdown to go ahead. Come on. Aaron had a chance to run the fucking ball in in the first or second quarter and held up and threw the ball out of the end zone. Absolute horrible effort. Absolute horrible effort by the defense as well, I think, who just lets Jamal Williams run right by him. Come on, man. Come on. Lifelong Green Bay Packer fan, to me, don't make sense. Been watching Aaron break our hearts for fucking a decade plus. Hasn't won a big game since Super Bowl 50 or whatever, Super Bowl 40, whatever. So, you know, to me that just, that one breaks my heart. To beat, get beat by Detroit and Green Bay, everything on the line, all the momentum in the world. I don't know, you guys talk about it. Thanks for taking my call, thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for uh, leaving that voicemail. This is the emotion we look for with this segment, you know? These are the Hashtag let it like. all out, Griff, right? Hashtag let it, let all, it all out, out. man. A lot of these are from right after the game, so it makes sense that people are uh, pretty emotional in these voicemails, just like we were, Braun. We were pretty emotional on, on our show that we did earlier this week, but I mean, a lot of people are upset with Aaron Rodgers' lack of ability to win big games, 
And you know, as an Aaron Rodgers defender, I've talked about this before. I used to be a much bigger Aaron Rodgers goat defender. I would defend him to death in the Instagram comment sections as the greatest quarterback of all time. And I'm bringing up Brady's defensive stats and Rodgers has never had a top 10 defense and all this. But it's so hard to defend him at this point because whatever whatever the reason is, the Packers, they don't win a lot of big games. They don't win a lot of playoff games. They lose in the playoffs quite a bit. Is it because of Aaron? Is it because of the coaching? Is it because of the defense? I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, Aaron Rodgers has come up short a lot throughout his career, sadly. I don't know. But anyways, thanks for the voicemail. Short and sweet. Uh, let's go on to the next voicemail here. I thought the Packers played pretty well, but the play calling was not good. Poor play calling going for it, fourth down on your own 30 was not a good idea. So they better shape that up for next year. And I do like Alan Lazard. Keep Alan Lazard. Thank you for the call. While I do agree with you that uh, the, the play calling was largely, I thought, bad in that game, I don't know if I agree that we should keep Alan Lazard at a reasonable rate as our number two or three receiver. Maybe then that's a conversation I'd have. But to try to bring him on as our number one... Um, look, Christian's here, right? So the conversation is basically if Lazard came back, he'd be the one or two. But I'd rather almost have Romeo at this point, and I think his development is going to look a little better than what Lazard can bring us at this point, especially when the res- the rates for receivers are going up quickly. I remember when Christian Kirk last year got paid $17 million per year and everybody freaked out. He's like the 18th highest paid receiver in the NFL at this point. Lazard's probably going to get upwards of $10 million per year wherever he goes, and I don't think Green Bay can afford to pay him that and feel like they can improve the roster in any capacity. So I, he's a good blocker when he's on. When he's blocking well, he's blocking well. But I don't think he wants to be in Green Bay. I don't think he, I don't think he should be in Green Bay. Uh, just, just I don't. I think the relationship is over. Unfortunately, uh, I just I don't like the way he played down the stretch this year, and I don't like the position he was put in by the front office. So I think, in my opinion, and I'm sure Griff, you can share yours as well, but. I, I feel like it's time to move on. Yeah, I agree, obviously. If you listen to the show, you know that. I think we crap on Lazard too much on this show, but it's only because he was put in the position that he was this season. But it did kind of, when you go back to like the this past off season when he was in contract disputes with the front office, he wanted to get money, no one offered him anything, so he came back to Green Bay. Um, I don't know, it just felt like, it just felt off all year. And the effort, that's a whole nother, you know, it's a whole nother conversation whether you can judge a player's effort from our position as viewers of the game, but his effort at many times this season did look poor, and he's never been my favorite player, and I think it is time to move on, and I don't know, doesn't he feel like a Chicago Bear? Doesn't this feel like a guy that the Bears would give $10 million to? That's almost insulting, Griff, to say he feels like a Chicago Bear, but uh, if he wants to go no, join that He is that absolutely group. A, a guy the Bears would go after. Like, they oh, right, love our yeah. scraps. 100%, yeah. And if they want him, they can have him, I'm sure. Moving on, related to Lazard here, we we did get another email. He sent this to my personal email, my all-day Packers email. Wrong email, but uh, I'm going to read it regardless because it sounds like he listened. He said, this is from Clark, he said, How can you guys not address the fall-off of Rogers' play? And we've talked a lot about Rogers' We today, actually have we? addressed it quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> we have. How can you guys not address the fall-off of Rogers' play? I'm the biggest Rogers fan there is, but there's no denying that he was average at best this year. The worst thing we could do is trade Love. Four years in the quarterback room with Rogers, the heartbreak of not taking a wide receiver when we took Love. You guys just want to trade him away and let some other team reap the benefit. Let some other team reap the benefits? Come on. Don't cap on Dylan and Lazard and all these guys without mentioning that we paid Rogers 50 mil a year to be an MVP. He 
was far from it. It would be insubordinate to trade Jordan Love and start over and uh, send for my iPhone. Yeah, I mean, we have talked a lot about Rodgers and his decline this year. And, and the other thing, I mean, too, is this they show, didn't... we've talked enough about it. And the one thing, too, is that they paid him $50 million, but not to be the MVP. They paid, they paid him $50 million to be the quarterback. Uh, they did not surround him with enough talent to be the MVP of the league. He had Devontae Adams last year and the year before that when he won MVP. And once that move was made to trade him, I think the MVP ship was probably sailed unless he way overperformed, which it was impossible with this group because he had no consistency. The starting receiver for this team on day one, Sammy Watkins, was cut in the middle of the season. I mean, how good could, God. That, and they're paying nobody to play. They're paying nobody more than $3 million to play receiver for this team. And and how are we expecting anybody to win MVP with that kind of supporting cast? Just look no at those price tags MVP alone. No one would win MVP in this offense. Nobody. Nobody could. Nobody People could. want to talk about how Patrick Mahomes is about to win MVP the year after he loses Tyreek Hill. Look at what the Chiefs did for Patrick Mahomes, man. <laughs> and I hate being one of these guys because I, I don't want to be one of these guys. But look at what the Chiefs did for Patrick Mahomes. He already has Travis Kelsey, who would be like the fifth best receiver in the NFL. And he's at tight end. And they they add Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. Middle of the season. They trade for Kadarius Tony. They signed Jarek McKinnon, who has been fantastic for them. They Especially out of the so backfield they catching also, the ball. Like, they've just got so many have, guys that they've given. They drafted Sky Moore in round two. They I mean, drafted Sky Moore? Are you kidding me? They, they did we draft, what we did. We drafted Christian Watson. and it's That was like, our move. Oh, that was the best move well we done. made. That was like the fifth oh best gosh. move they made at receiver this year. And that was the best move we made at receiver in the second round draft pick. Our big move was signing Sammy Watkins. And then we drafted Christian Watson, which has been great. <laughs> Christian Watson was great for us in the final half of the season, final quarter of the season, whatever. But in the stretch of games where we needed it most and we lost five games in a row, we did not have the proper receiving talent out there. We cut Amari Rodgers and Sammy Watkins, which is almost a third of the guys we went into this season <laughs> hoping to contribute with. And now we have guys like... Christian, who are going to develop, hopefully, and Romeo, who are going to develop, hopefully, but they weren't contributing at the highest level through this entire season, and they just weren't ready, and the Chiefs, a team that actually knows how to operate a front office in, in supporting its quarterback, and he's, look, Patrick Mahomes is getting paid just as much as Aaron, right, if only a little less. He got veterans, he got our second best receiver last year, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and we were left with Lazard the draft picks and Randall Cobb, who was probably our best receiver this year before the rookies <laughs> Randall came on. Cobb. Randall Cobb is always thrown in there in this conversation because he's and actually a, he's a bright light. He's the one bright light, and that's a guy Brian didn't even want in the first year old place. Randall Cobb. That's a guy Brian. That's oh, a guy God. Brian didn't even want. Rogers traded for him. I mean, that's. I mean, this is it's <laughs> pathetic. I can't believe we do this every week, but it just gets worse and worse as we lose more football games, and you can inexplicably look at this whole thing. I just don't understand it, and I never will. When will... Another point, Griff, I I thought of this the other day. Everybody on the planet mocks us receivers in the first round of the draft every single year, yet we never address the position for the last decade, and every single year people continue to mock us wide receivers in the NFL draft because everybody on the planet realizes it's the biggest need on our football team every single year. Except the Green Bay Packers front office. They're the only person, the only people, the only general manager who doesn't see that we have this massive, massive hole 
on our unit, yet we continue to not address it year after year, and then also expect Aaron to win MVP and win Super Bowls. So somebody explain that one to me, come up with something intelligent to say about that, and then come on the show and give us a call and talk about it, because that's something that I can't explain, and if somebody else can, please do let me know. Not only do do people predict us to take a wide receiver in the first round of the draft every year, but anytime a wide receiver is available via trade or gets released, we are always the betting favorites for that guy. DeAndre Hopkins is rumored to be available via trade this offseason, and of course everyone's projecting him to go to Green Bay, and Odell Beckham Jr., it always happens with OBJ, and every single receiver for the past 10 years has always been the betting favorite to go to Green Bay, and it never happens. Everyone in the world realizes how you have to build an offense in the year 2022, except Brian Gutekunst. It's maddening. It's because I think he's a good general manager. We talk a lot of crap about him, but I do think he's a good general manager, and I do think he's managed this team well overall. It's it's hard to win 13 games three years in a row, but just this one. Not when you have Aaron Rodgers. To be fair, Griff, we have we have, people don't like to I mean, talk about that, but not when when it's a lot easier to win when you got Aaron Rodgers handed to you as a GM and Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. And let's not forget the one time a wide receiver was on the market, an elite wide receiver was on the market and Green Bay got involved was when we traded Devontae Adams last summer. <laughs> That's our only involvement. <laughs> that was the only time we got involved with a giant, uh, incredible, elite wide receiver. We it's traded our best away, one. <laughs> oh, good oh God. the Packers How need a wide receiver? Steve. Let's trade our only good one. <laughs> Let's go on to the final email here. This one comes from Megan. She says, As much as it pains me to say it, this season proves to me now more than ever that we just need to move on. Oh, boy. More of this talk, Ron. We haven't done enough of this. There comes a point where saying, don't worry, we'll do it next year, loses its meaning. I would much rather Rodgers walk away now with everything he has accomplished than, especially with how injury-prone he has been lately, getting hurt badly and not having a choice. I don't want to see him become another Brady. I know that would likely also mean losing Cobb, Crosby, Lewis, etc. But I truly think that our young talent will get it together and become something incredible. Just like the team we have had for the past, tech- for the past decade or so. I think Love has improved dramatically and will continue to improve with more in-game experience. The touchdown drive versus the Eagles proves that to me. If we want to keep Love, personally, I do, I think Rodgers knows the stakes and that will weigh into his decision. I would be a lot less upset with an 8-9 season with Jordan Love as starting quarterback than I currently am with A-Rod at quarterback. I know there are so many more little things to be considered than what I've just shared my thoughts on, but looking at the big picture, I think we'll hurt a lot less both emotionally and on next season's record if we go into rebuild mode now. Even with all that being said, I am very grateful to have watched an era of amazing football for the majority of my life and for every player that that has made that possible. It's important to remember and to remind myself that no matter what happens, we are still Green Bay Packers fans, and I think that in and of itself is something to be proud of. Now, that's a good email, well-worded email from Megan here. Um, a lot of people, I, I, it's just interesting, Braun, because like I said at the top of the show, we this is a Rodgers podcast. If you listen to this, if you are a loyal listener of this show, you probably have very similar opinions on Aaron Rodgers and on Jordan Love that we do, Braun. Yet a lot of these voicemails and emails that we've gotten this week have been in support of moving on and letting the Jordan Love era begin which I find so interesting because it's kind of like a pulse check on the fan base, and it seems like that's where a lot of people stand right now. I think everybody is emotional, Griff. It's funny. I I just don't see it the same way as other fans, you know. Look, I don't know what to say, really. It's Hopefully people, when Aaron comes back, aren't disappointed, but I've seen a lot, probably more than half the fan base, ready to move on. Hopefully, maybe we convince some people now. I, I just think there's not really much more we can do except lay out the facts and explain why we feel the way we feel. 
and why it makes sense to have Aaron back. And hopefully once he does come back eventually and everybody understands that he's going to be the quarterback, we all realize that he's going to be the one that takes us to the promised land if it happens. Yeah, and just to reiterate what we've said so far about 300 different times throughout today's show, um, Jordan Love, he could be great. He could be great. What are the odds he's going to be better than Aaron Rodgers? Very low. And I know it happened with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, and everyone was saying the same thing uh, back then. What are the odds that Rodgers is going to be as good as Favre? But, I mean, you you can't... I I just don't think that's a good way. I don't think that's a responsible way to build your team. You know, I don't think it's... I don't think it's responsible to bank on Jordan Love being the next Hall of Famer in a line of three in a row. I just... it's, It's unlikely to happen. And from what we've seen so far, he looked really good at the end of the Eagles game. Granted, he didn't really have to do a whole lot in that game. And it'd be a different story, like I said. It'd be a different story if we got to see him down the stretch of this season and we got to see more dropbacks and we got to see more reps from him. But from what we know, Brian Gutekunst clearly believes that Aaron Rodgers is the better option right now because every time they're asked about it, every time LaFleur is asked about it, the, the answer is always that we want Rodgers in Green Bay. And if Love looked like Patrick Mahomes in practice, if he looked like that behind closed doors, I highly doubt they would give Rodgers the contract that they gave him. And we've seen him at training camp, and we've seen him in the preseason. And this last preseason, he looked good, but I don't think he, I don't think he looked good enough to move on from a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. And that's where I stand on it. But I do understand the people who want to move on. But another thing that goes into it is also Jordan Love is almost at the end of his rookie contract now. And so you're not really getting the young quarterback value. You're not getting the cheap quarterback value either. You're going to have to pay him soon. That's where I stand. Bron, um, I'm, if you want to give your closing thoughts on this argument. I actually don't because we've said a lot. But I do want to thank everybody for hashtag letting it all out. And well, okay. <laughs> giving us our voicemails and, and giving us our emails to sort through. And we appreciate our loyal listeners who love chiming in. And, and that's important, I think, to, to give everybody a voice. We want to be the voice of the voiceless here and try to amplify your thoughts. And clearly, like we've talked about, the mentioning of Aaron Rodgers and, and wanting him to move on from this team one way or the other is something a lot of people are talking about right now. So... That is the conversation. We've tried to help everybody sort through that and maybe try to swing them in our direction a little bit, but everybody still has their thoughts, and we want to make sure those get aired for the public hearing. So we want to thank you for those, and and I specifically, personally, want to thank you and and please ask you to continue sending those in so we can continue to do this and and go through some Packers therapy session fun for everybody. And if you think we sound like idiots, if you think that we are stupid for what we've said on this well, show today, well, that's why why they, that's why they listen, Griff. Send that's in an why email. They listen, they, they listen because we sound yeah, stupid. I, every I guess. Week. Yeah. No. If you heavily disagree with anything we've said and you want to send in your take, you can do that by calling the number nine two zero four three zero zero seven one one. Leave a voicemail. Tell us we're stupid. Come at us. Send us an email as well at todayintitletown at gmail.com. If you'd like to send us feedback, you can do that by DMing us on Instagram at todayintitletown, or you can leave a review on iTunes and rate us five stars as well on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you are listening to this show. It is much appreciated. You can follow me on Instagram at alldaypackers. Follow Braun on Instagram at lambo.leapers. And we will be back throughout the course of this entire offseason covering everything including, uh, I think one of the next shows we're going to do is going through every single player on the roster, reviewing their season, talking about whether we want them to stick around in Green Bay, whether we want them to move on, 
And that's going to be a fun show because we have a lot of there's there's a lot of players to go through. A lot of controversial players that a lot of different people have different opinions on. So that's going to be a fun show. Looking forward to that one. Turn on the notifications so you don't miss an upload. And that is everything. Thank you so much for listening. Go Pack Go. Thank you for listening, everyone. Same time next week. Thank you.